We've reached the halfway point of the 2023 college football season. So where do we stand? How are we feeling about the Oklahoma Sooners with six games to go? We'll discuss that and so much more on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. The show is at Locked On Sooners, and thanks for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Josh, it's that mid-season review time. We can look back on the previous six games, looking ahead to the next six games. The first question I want to ask you is this. How are you feeling about the Oklahoma Sooners based on what you felt about them going into the season? I know we're all feeling better about them, but are they even kind of at this point, like surpassing expectations? Are we surprised at what they've done so far through the first six games? I think to some degree, sure. Yeah, you have to be right because not totally shocked because you thought it was a possibility, but for it to have transpired the way that it has. And oh, by the way, Texas, right, goes on the road and beats Alabama. That was not something that. I thought was going to happen. I know others around the country did going in, but uh, I, I wasn't expecting that in the off season. Again, I think others were, I was not. And so all of that together, then for Oklahoma in, uh, in the aftermath of Texas doing that and sort of staking its claim as a national player, again, thought it was possible, but a little bit surprised that, uh, yeah, everything's come together as quickly and as nicely as it has for Oklahoma to some degree. Yeah, the, the area I'm still the most surprised about is just the way that the defense is playing. I think we talked about it a lot in the offseason that if they could make a jump, it would make them more competitive. Well, they've made a significant jump. You go from 99th in points per game, allowing 30 points per game in 2022 to allowing just 14 points per game through the first six games of the season, which has you at number 11 uh, in the nation right now. You look at the yardage. I mean, they were, what, 122nd in yardage allowed last year? This season? Okay, it's not top 20, but they're 52nd at 352.8 yards per game. That's a significant difference. I mean, you can't have projected this big of a jump. I think we we thought that if they got into the 50s, whether it was points per game or yardage allowed, that they'd become a contender. Well, that's what we're seeing. But still, I'm I'm blown away by the significant jump. I thought a reasonable jump would have been, you know, top 70, something like that. But to do what Brent Venables and this coaching staff have done in just one year time is pretty remarkable. And I, and I think that is the biggest story of how this season has gone is how well the defense has played, whether it's, you know, only allowing SMU to score 11 points or holding Cincinnati to six or shutting out Arkansas state in week one. I mean, 
this defense is playing at a remarkable level and then only to allow 23 points and two touchdowns uh, to the Texas Longhorns, one of the better offenses in the league. So, man, I'm I'm blown away. They've exceeded my expectations, even though I thought that they were going to be winning and I thought that they would even beat Texas. I thought that they would contend. I still didn't think it was going to look this good after six games. I, I thought, okay, maybe if you can get them down to 20 points per game or 23 points per game, things would look a whole lot different. Well, they've even exceeded that allowing just 14 points per game. Number one in turnover differential, number one in interceptions. That's going to win you a lot of football games right there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you are great in the turnover department can be a big time equalizer. And, and as you mentioned, Oklahoma total defense wise is, uh, is middling, right? You know, 50th nationally is uh, obviously not perfect. There's room to improve there. And yet, you know, a lot of that, or, you know, a nice little chunk of that is from this past contest versus Texas, where they eclipsed 500 some odd yards. So, and, and with what's left on the schedule, Kansas will be difficult, but uh, on paper, not just a bunch of world beaters offensively. So I guess what I'm saying is the final total defense number will look a lot better. I think for Oklahoma, once we get to the regular seasons finish line right now, you're kind of at that midway point. Oh, by the way, you know, you're just coming off of a game where Texas is one of the nation's best offenses. Uh, I think, uh, you know, with its skill, talent, and a good quarterback in Quinn Ewers. And the bottom line is the key categories defensively. The, the most important one, of course, is scoring defenses you touched on. You're 11th there. The turnovers are great. But why why is that the case for Oklahoma, that the scoring number is what it is defensively? Well, we, we talked about it all offseason. Oklahoma, can you be better in key moments? The turnovers, of course, as we've discussed, but third down defense. Oklahoma's 12th there nationally. Nice. Red zone defense. Oklahoma's ninth there nationally. And, oh, by the way, that, uh, you know, I, I meant to mention this the other night when we were doing uh, our live show, and I, I don't think I did. For any Texas fan that wants to sit there and say, oh, well, we played our C game and Oklahoma played this game or that game, and that's, you know, a big reason why they – well. Actually, the numbers indicate that Texas played the exact game that Texas plays, which is they're not a very good red zone offense nationally, and Oklahoma's a very good red zone defense. So in some ways, the game played out as the numbers indicated the game uh, would play out. And that's one big area that Oklahoma has made a defensive jump. And again, it translates into the scoring defense numbers, John. Yeah, the other area that I feel like has been significantly improved better than what I maybe have, have would have expected. And that's the play of Dylan Gabriel. I came into the season thought he, thinking he was a good quarterback and thinking that Oklahoma could win with him. I didn't necessarily think he was going to be a Heisman contender, even if they won a bunch of games, just because I felt like, okay, the reputation isn't really there. It doesn't really have a lot of buzz around his name. I didn't necessarily think that they were going to throw for a bunch of yards like they've done because I thought the running game was going to be a lot better. And that, that could be one of those negative uh, returns on expectations is the run game. But I mean, he's, he's played so well. And I mean, you don't win that game Saturday without him. And he's thrust himself into a legitimate contender in the Heisman race. I mean, he went from like plus 2000 to plus 1200 after the win against Texas. That's a significant jump in Heisman odds. A lot of places are, are you're seeing him now fourth or fifth where he might've been like, eighth, ninth, or 10th before. So he, he's been really, really good. And I think that's been a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. Now there are going to be people that 
want to nitpick every single throw. And I get that. That's your prerogative. You can do that. But based on the body of work for six games, I've been really pleased with the growth of Dylan Gabriel. You talked about the third down defense, red zone defense. They've been better at third down offense, red zone offense. His run game has gotten better. I feel like I we highlighted it a couple weeks ago here on the show that his middle of the field passing and deep passing has improved as well from last year. And that's why you're seeing a significant improvement in just the offensive efficiency and productivity it's because Dylan Gabriel raised his game. The numbers bear that out again, uh, key third down red zone, all that sort of stuff. But I'm looking here. This is team passing efficiency from NCAA's uh, well, the NCAA sites stat book, right? Air force. Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to strike you from number one in the record books with only your 19 pass attempts with all due respect. You are, you are not going to be number one in uh, this particular ranking, but after that, you got the, the nation's best offenses, right? You've got Washington, USC, Oregon, LSU, Oklahoma, right there. There's OU. And that's of course, because of Dylan Gabriel who, Oh, by the way, you go over and look at the quarterback rating numbers in college football for uh, eligible passers. And there's Dylan Gabriel right behind Michigan's JJ McCarthy and right behind Washington's Michael Penix Jr. And Oh, by the way, in front of uh, Jaden Daniels and in front of McCord from Ohio state in front of Uwe Ungalale from Oregon state. And yes, in front of names like, oh, I don't know, Caleb Williams and Drake May out there. So he's playing incredibly, incredibly efficient, terrific football right now. I mean, there's no other way to say it. He's valuing the football. He he had a, a Heisman-type drive the other day. I mean, that kind of game, that's what we always look for is a Heisman moment. Dylan Gabriel delivered in a Heisman moment. Yeah, he's been delivering – at a pretty impressive level all season long, uh, especially since big 12 play began. I mean, that was a, a thorn in their side last year when big 12 play began, the offense didn't look as crisp. The defense wasn't as good. Every they've passed every single test six and zero, and are going to be able to control their own destiny for the big 12 title and potentially a college football playoff berth. We'll talk some mid season review awards Offensive player, defensive player of the year, surprises, breakout players, all these things here after the break. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case, what is it? Well, it provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you're prepared and you have access to medication in the case of an emergency, in the event of an emergency. No, you know that you have access to those necessary life-saving medications. Jace Medical, they make sure that you have that medication in hand. And oh, by the way, Jace Medical, it's simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off today, by the way, as well. Get $20 off these life-saving antibiotics from Jace Medical by using our code locked on at checkout. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout over at JaceMedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E Medical.com. Okay, Josh, let's start with some awards. Let's go MVP off the top. Who has been the team MVP 
for the first six games of the 2023 season? I think there's a case to be made for Dylan Gabriel, no doubt. And a lot of that being what we just discussed mere moments ago with the efficiency numbers and the quarterback rating and, and oh, by the way, the drive, right? As it's probably affectionately going to be known uh, versus Texas going forward. But it's Danny Stutzman. He's he's the MVP of this football team right now. I was watching uh, the video circulating its way around the interwebs tonight of Danny Stutzman saying, you know, Oklahoma fears only one thing, and that's God. And Texas fears Oklahoma. He's that guy before the football game telling, uh, you know, rallying his troops in that respect. And he's the guy that doesn't just go say it. He's the guy that goes and backs it up with Butkus type play. And when you've got that guy, that's got his nose right in there in a goal line stop of four different plays, a goal line stand for Oklahoma, when that's your leader defensively. And oh, by the way, it comes on the heels of what has, has been a lot of bad for was his, you know, historically bad for OU just last season with a lot of this same personnel, John, but uh, over the last, however many years has not been great, right? Defense has not been the calling card for Oklahoma. It's been an offensive program. It's been a skill position program. Danny Stutzman is the, if you want to call it a Mount Rushmore right now, you can remove three other faces off Mount Rushmore because right now it's, it's Danny's. Mount Rushmore that's leading this thing for Oklahoma in terms of this defensive resurgence. Not to say there's not other, you know, key contributors involved. It's just I think his presence to me, John, is that influential in this thing going the direction it's gone. So it's Danny Stutzman right now. I mean, he's the face of the defensive resurgence. I mean, it's Brent Venable's defense, Ted Roof's defense, the assistant coaches that have a big hand in this, but the guy that's at the tip of the spear for this defense, it's Danny Stutzman. He's the guy that everybody takes their kind of cues off of and keys from. And I mean, he's the emotional and the physical leader for this team. And he's been phenomenal. He absolutely has been phenomenal. And I wouldn't necessarily argue with you on that point. I think Dylan Gabriel, you could make a strong case for MVP as well with the way that he played, especially the way he played against Texas. It, it's it's great to have these kind of debates because it just goes to show that you have several guys playing at a really high level. If, if Dylan Gabriel's not the MVP of the team, he's most definitely the offensive MVP of this team, a unit that you expected to have a pretty good run game. And it's not really materialized just yet. Now you might be able to get, start getting some things going over the second half, but through the first six games of the season, Oklahoma's run game has been pretty mediocre aside from you know a big game from Toby Walker against SMU and the Dylan Gabriel run game you haven't really seen much and so Dylan Gabriel for the most part has kind of had to carry this team to a 6-0 record and I think most people would expect if you're having to lean on Dylan Gabriel if I if I had to ask you hey this team is leaning on Dylan Gabriel in the preseason most people would probably expect this team to have lost one or two at this point, and they haven't. They're six and zero, and they they've got all the things out there in front of them. Let's talk breakout player, Josh. Who would you say has been your breakout player so far this season? There's so many names you could go with in that regard, oh. because so much of this to me in terms of Oklahoma going and winning that game versus Texas, even though the total. Uh, yardage surrendered maybe doesn't show that the the turnovers right the goal line stand it really just 
you you beat Texas the other day, John, and that's symbolic of where we kind of feel this thing is going for Oklahoma. And it's all wrapped up in this defensive turnaround for the Sooners, why they believe they're going to go win the Big 12 championship now, why they think that they can probably start uh, attacking some loftier goals than that. I'm going to stick with the defensive side of the football, and I'm going to go with Gentry Williams with what he's doing defensively covering guys out there, the physicality that he's bringing uh, coming downhill, you know, tackling as well. He's got uh, 15 tackles right now, which isn't uh, a ton, but for, you know, a corner is not all that bad. And oh, by the way, oh, oh, by the way, it's like 15 loud tackles, right? I mean, it's like he has 15, but I feel like he's had 35 because uh, typically when he's coming downhill to wrap somebody up or uh, up in them, he's doing so with authority. So he's been, man, just a massive difference maker for OU and the makeup and the outlook defensively. I mean, he's third on the team in tackles for loss, which a cornerback registering that many tackles for loss is pretty impressive. I, I, again, I don't think I can argue with you on that one. I'm going to throw a name out there and it's going to be weird because now he's done for the season, but Andrew Anthony, I think he was kind of the breakout player of the first half. We didn't really know what we were going to get out of him. He hadn't really had a whole lot of production at Michigan during his time there. You weren't hearing a ton of buzz about him in, in spring ball and fall camp. You know, we were focusing on a lot of other guys. And here came Andrew Anthony leading this, the team in, in receiving uh, for the first six weeks of the season. It sucks that he's now injured and lost for the year. But, I mean, what a breakout performance he was he was having. I mean, he was going to flirt with a 1,000 yards this year. And, I mean, you needed somebody to step up in the early going. Again, as the run game wasn't really materializing and Jaleel Farouk was having some up-and-down performances, Andrew Anthony really... Uh, he showed out and he, and he gained a lot of respect from a lot of people. And, and that's why the injury was so was such a bummer because he was playing such great football. I'll go with another another name on the defensive side of the ball. And that's Jaron Canick. You know, after last year, when Brent Venables kind of said called him out and said he doesn't really know what he's doing. And we kind of all shrugged it off and laughed it off. But might have been the case. He's really come on strong this year. And, yeah, there's some areas where he can continue to get better. But again, led the, the Sooners in tackles against Texas and continues to get better every single week. You just see him flying around. And he's been one of Oklahoma's better pressure players at times in the 6-0 start too. Getting to the backfield, getting pressure on the quarterback, and then just flying around and using that speed and athleticism to get to the sideline and bring running backs down before they're able to, to make any positive headway. So I think... You could name a ton of guys on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I think we're we're seeing Desan McCullough now that he started for a couple of games. He's really starting to come on strong. You mentioned Gentry Williams. Billy Bowman, I mean, he was good at times last year and good at times the year before that, but I really feel like he's starting to really find himself now, and he's finding some comfort level in the position that he's playing, and he's playing great football. You know, the guys on the interior, you don't hear their names called a lot and they're not racking up a bunch of stats, but Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly and Jonah Laula. Again, you mentioned it. There's so many dudes that you could talk about having breakout years. It's, it's insane. And that's the big reason why this team is so much better is because top to bottom, everybody's playing at a much higher level. Key Lawrence. That's another guy that you could talk about having a breakout season. He was, he's had moments in the 2021 and 2022 season, but this year it's coming all together for him. And 
looks like a guy that's playing the best football of his life. Well, and that would be the next award I would have tossed your direction is who's most improved for Oklahoma with the understanding that, okay, let's remove Danny Stutzman's name from the equation because I think that that would be uh, an easy slam dunk choice, right? Who, who uh, Dylan Gabriel, right? Similar story there. Remove his name uh, because that's, again, I kind of low-hanging fruit choice. Anybody else that, that really jumps to mind from last year to this that has made the type of jump that has led to this type of start for Oklahoma? Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably go with Key Lawrence just because I feel like he's made a significant jump. You know, you got Peyton Bowen, you got Reggie Pearson in the offseason, and for the most part, everybody was really, really excited and eager to get those two guys on the field and maybe not so much Key Lawrence, but at every single turn, whether it was Ted Roof or Brandon Hall, they always made sure to bring us back to Key Lawrence and his veteran presence and leadership and the playmaking ability is showing out this year. And maybe it was the fact that, okay, 2020, he's with Tennessee. 2021, he's in Alex Grinch's defense. 2022, in the first year of Brenton Venable's defense. 2023, that's the first time that he gets to be in the same defensive system two years in a row since high school. Like, when was the last time he got to play in the same system for two years? And so it's only it's only understandable that he's now, okay, yeah, I'm comfortable. I can play fast. I can play instinctually. I don't have to second guess everything I'm doing because I know what I'm doing now, just like a lot of guys on the defense. And so we're seeing Key Lawrence take his game to a whole nother level. Man, I think there there's so many names. You know, Gentry Williams, obviously, going from not starting, not really even playing a whole lot, in 2022 to now being a significant member of the defense, who who would it be for you? A lot of those names that you mentioned, I think Nick Anderson, right, is uh, offensively an easy name to look at with what he's doing. I mean, my goodness, the guy catches the game winner, <laughs> right, in, uh, in the Red River game, but it's more than that, right? It's not mm-hmm. just, hey, one catch into a situation to where he was pressed into duty and, and found himself in the right spot at the right time. I mean, it's larger than that, the growth for uh, Nick Anderson. And it's obvious and it's tangible. So that's the beautiful thing about this team is with us at the midway point, so defensive player of the year, I think, is probably going to wind up Danny Stutzman, right? Offensive player of the year, probably going to beat Dylan Gabriel. But if you said, okay, hey, how's this thing going to shake out for most improved player award? That could still be a number of different names by the time we end the season. Freshman of the year, the obvious choice right now is Peyton Bowen, and probably maybe that's going to be the case, but I don't know if you all saw Caden Green the other day. He's going to be making, I think, I think a frantic charge for that award. P.J. Adebare, I don't think his story's done this season. So, you know, like newcomer of the year, uh, most improved by seasons in, freshman of the year. That's what's so exciting about this Oklahoma team right now is there's plenty of shuffling in a positive direction of the deck. I think that's going to happen between now and when we get to the finish line. Yeah, there's not just one or two guys on either side of the ball that you're having to lean on. It's everybody playing really, really good football right now. And you have to, to get to a 6-0 start. Last thing we're going to touch on is we're going to go around the Big 12 and check in on its craziness that happened over the weekend. We'll do that here after the break. Check out Prize Picks, ladies and gentlemen. Prize Picks, it's the most fun I've had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize picks, again, it's really 
simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds, which, hey, you're on the go, right? Everybody's on the go. That's the world we want to live in is I want to want to have some fun with prize picks, but I, I don't want to take up a bunch of my time. Well, that's going to be the case with prize picks in and out if you so need to, or if you really are like me and you're just going to agonize over final selections, well, you can do that as well. Prize picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks dis- discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Check out prize picks, prizepicks.com backslash locked on college and use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com backslash locked on college. Use our code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Okay, Josh, the Big 12 is, man, it's crazy right now. Oklahoma State knocks off Kansas State. Kansas State doesn't look good in the loss. Will Howard turns the ball over three times. Iowa State beats TCU up in Ames. Uh, then you've got Texas Tech walloping Baylor, Kansas walloping UCF. What was the biggest surprise to you over the weekend? I think it's still what Oklahoma State did versus Kansas State. Uh, but, I mean, there's a couple of peculiar names uh, and results there, right? If you're of the opinion that TCU is a halfway decent team, well, okay, now you're probably rethinking that a little bit. Just the the dominance of which Kansas was able to do what they did to UCF after, again, you know, really falling apart in the second half versus Texas. So the week-to-week, what did we just witness is kind of crazy in the league right now, outside of really the top between Oklahoma and Texas, the rest of it's, you know, kind of hard to get uh, a read on. Texas Tech has looked really, really bad. And then, you know, against, well, a Baylor team that we think is outright bad, they looked really, really good. So I guess, you know, how much are you taking away from that? I don't know. I want to still believe K-State is the third best, maybe second best team in this conference when it's all said and done. Leaning more toward it's going to be OU Texas rematching in Arlington and leaning toward the idea that I don't know if K-State's the number three team right now, right? I mean, thought that they had a chance to be in that, you know, top notch, maybe play for the conference championship game and go defend the thing this year. But that's a bad team away from home right now with the Missouri loss and obviously uh, with what happened versus Oklahoma State. I kind of tend to think that they'll get the ship righted, but Again, I need to see Kansas State show me that they're capable of doing that away from home. Yeah, I think outside of Oklahoma and Texas, the next three through 14 teams is up for grabs. Like every spot could be different the next week. I mean, West Virginia, they're 2-0 and in Big 12 play. They, they beat... Texas Tech, they beat TCU. They're going to have a chance to go and beat Houston this next week. And I mean, their defense is playing good football, but offensively, they're hard to trust. Uh, Oklahoma State, I have no idea what to make of Oklahoma State. And I think the same could be said for everybody else in the Big 12, except for Oklahoma and Texas. It's going to be a wild, wild ride over the next six weeks or so. If I were to, if you were to guess a team that Okay, maybe it's Kansas State, maybe it's Texas, but take Texas and Kansas State out of the equation. 
is there somebody else that could potentially challenge for that, you know, big 12 title spot outside of Oklahoma? If you told me that Jalen Daniels was going to actually play, then okay, maybe you could talk me into that. But again, you know, the Pete Thamel report today is doubtful again versus Oklahoma state. And, you know, with Devin Neal and what they were able to do was very impressive versus UCF. I think my next pick would be Kansas, but uh, again, I, I I feel like with Bean, there's only so high the ceiling can go versus, you know, with Daniels, okay, you, you got a chance maybe to run the table, even with, uh, you know, a home date versus Oklahoma, though that would, of course, be a, a big-time upset. Yeah, I think there's just no telling how the rest of the season is going to play out. Maybe Oklahoma State found something, and they're going to actually be a more serious threat down the stretch than what we thought. Same with Texas Tech. You know, maybe they'll threaten Texas a little bit later on down the road. Who knows? But right now, I mean, it's it's all up for grabs. Bowl spots are going to be up for grabs. I, I don't think anybody's safe except for maybe Oklahoma and Texas the rest of the way. But we'll find out. We'll see how it all goes. But thanks so much for being a part of Locked On Sooner. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, we're free and available on all podcast platforms. And on YouTube, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef, myself at John9Williams. The show is at Locked On Sooners. And we'll be back with more bi-week coverage. And then we'll start getting you ready for UCF the following week. The Dylan Gabriel Revenge Tour continues. But that's going to do it. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner.